This morning's scripture reading is going to be from Judges 6, 36 through 40. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and run out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Thanks, Trey. What a beautiful thought, leaning on the arms of Jesus. Well, we're in a study of Gideon, and we've been looking at his story, which is really the story of God working through Gideon. Gideon was a judge, and in that day and age, it didn't mean he was a king to make rulings necessarily. Instead, God was using him to bring justice into the land. Gideon's job was to admit all the, the injustice to bring peace, shalom to, to God's people. And through, we, through the story, we see, God obviously sees things in Gideon that are not so obvious for us at first glance. God has big plans for Gideon. He intends to use him and do great things through him. He intends to bring his people back to him through Gideon. And along that journey, it's really challenging for Gideon. Been times of real struggle. And today, as a part of that story, we want to look at the concept of blessed assurance. The assurance that Gideon needs and finds in following God. When fear and doubt keep us from stepping out in faith, we often need to be reminded that God is at work with, within us. It's a lot of times it's just hard to relax and walk through life. I imagine it's still today. In fact, I, I know it is because I see some of the, your children carrying them. But it was definitely a real popular thing when I was raising kids, had little children, and that was the concept of a blankie or, or something, whatever they might call it. You know, a little blanket or a quilt or stuffed animal that they could, could uh, carry with them to bed at night and help them re relax and feel safe and to go to sleep. It became real popular years ago to combine that little blanket with a stuffed animal. It's all in one now. And I know my, my oldest son, he wore out a couple of those over the years as a child. And, and they're really nice, you know. My youngest one, hers was a quilt that her grandmother made. She might have been caught sleeping with that recently when she came over and spent the night at our house. But, you know, those things that just bring you peace and comfort. Uh, as a minister, it's been really fun over the years being up here late at night on maybe a Wednesday evening or a Sunday night and hear a frantic knock on the church doors. And it's a, it's a mom or a dad outside most commonly, a dad been sent back to the building because they went to put their baby to bed and they couldn't find the blankie. <laughs> it was tragedy at home, you know. There would be no sleeping tonight. Please, can you let me in and see if we left it here? Of course, I just smiled and let them in and, and prayed they found that little stuffed animal so there could be some peace at home. There are items in life that, that bring us that kind of comfort. They're familiar to us and they allow us to re relax and to rest. And our story today talks about Gideon and his little wool fleece that uh, brought him some comfort and allowed him to relax. Gideon has seen a lot and is going to see even more, and he needs to get ready for it. God's been working in his life, and it's pretty, pretty, been pretty obvious. But now tough times come again. 
Judges 6, verse 33. Now all the Midianites and Amalekites and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. You remember last week as we talked about Gideon, he had cut down the the Asherah pot of Baal and had burned an, made it into an altar for God and burned a sacrifice to, to Yahweh, to, to the Lord. And now, a few months later, the, uh, the enemy gets, gains, gets their forces together and comes to invade Israel. No big deal. They've been doing it for the last seven years. This is the eighth consecutive year. I mean, and they show up just thinking things will be like normal. Gather 135,000 men in the Valley of Jezreel, and they're going to they're going to come in and do what they've done the last seven years. They haven't seen any difference in Israel. I mean, no obvious gathering of armies, no training of soldiers, no scouts out on patrol to see if they're coming. Nothing obviously is different, so they expect the same. Except something was different. Only they couldn't see it. God was working, and he had raised up a judge. And things were going to be different this time. Judges 6, verse 34, I think, is the, is the pivot verse of the story of Gideon. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet and gathered people. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. The verse, I'm told, literally reads in the original language, The Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. What an interesting thought. You have an ESV version. It says, The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And however, it is the proper translation. It's pretty obvious what has happened here. It is a very arresting and, inter- and instructive picture that comes to mind. We're told that the Spirit put on Gideon like, a, like clothes. Like we, we put on clothes like when we're going to a wedding. We might dress up for it. If you're going to go work on the car, you might put some overalls on. The Spirit clothed himself with Gideon. And, and when you saw Gideon, what that meant is you see God at work. And what you should see, obviously, is the Spirit working through God and not Gideon. Gideon was a capable to thresh wheat and maybe grow grain. But what's going to happen here is something that's more than just what he can do. It's going to take God's power. So what does it look like when God shines through Gideon's life? Well, look at verses 34 and 35. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizrites to follow him. In other words, that's his, his people. Obviously, what he did in his little hometown made a difference. They were reformed. They changed. And so they answered the call. And he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. So that they too went up to meet him. Spirit comes upon him, he blows the trumpet, and people answer. Because they can see God shining through. The Spirit of the Lord is working and it shines through Gideon and as he calls the people and he calls them to, iron, uh, to arms. And a fourth of Israel comes. 35,000 people come, 32,000 men join him as they're called to arms. That's what it looks like when God shines through. But what does it look like when Gideon shines through? When you see Gideon instead of God. Look at verse 36. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised. Wow. If 
you will do what you promised to do. God, I've got a question. Will you do what you promised? Gideon doubted God's promise. I mean, did, did God really want him to lead this Jewish army? I mean, he had no military training. He didn't know anything about warfare. He was an ordinary farmer. And so in the midst of his questions, you find him back at the threshing floor again. In a place of comfort. And before he led the attack, God's, he's going to ask God for a couple of signs. Does he look like a man who's trusting the promise? Yes, the question is, will he even trust the fleece? And so the story goes on in verse 37. Look, I'll place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. Well, he asked of God. God's, God makes the fleece wet. People who study this and do a little math say if, if all the land was as wet as that fleece, it would have flooded the land. But that wasn't good enough for Gideon. Don't be angry. Let me ask you one more request. Can you do the opposite? Because I got to thinking, maybe fleece attracts water more than the others, so I need to make sure that it wasn't just... Gideon's requests are definitely founded in doubt and unbelief. They are not requests based upon faith. Now, when we read stories like this, when we read this story, it's very common for us to ask the question, how does this model apply for me today? I mean, when I'm questioning things, I'm doubting, what, how does this model apply to me? Well, it is a very good model for doubting. When you doubt God's promises, this is a model, I guess. It shows that you're doubting. Because Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you promised. Gideon is doubting that God will do what he said he'll do. So here's just a few quick observations if you want to use this as a model. When you use this as a model, you're trying to make faith redundant. Make sense? I mean, it's a very tempting procedure because what it, it tries to do is bring certainty and allow faith to leave because I don't need faith if I have certainty. So if you don't want to live by faith and you want to live by certainty, that's what Gideon's model seems to be headed for. Another thing I'd remind you about if you consider this as a model is, is that remember Gideon was seeking a miraculous sign, not a circumstantial one. So when we walk through life and many times we're seeking to know if should I do this good thing or this good thing. It's better and best, not should I go out and murder my boss today or not? Could you give me a sign, God? You know, it's it's better and best type choices. And so, God, if I'm if you want me to take that job by the by nine thirty tomorrow morning, would you have somebody that I really trust call me and tell me that I should take that you know, it's it's things like that. And what what Gideon was calling for was a miracle, not a circumstance to change. I'd also point out that he was using the fleece not to gain guidance. Did he already know what he was supposed to do? So he's not trying to get an answer that, would you guide me in, in what I'm supposed to do? He already knew what he was supposed to do. He is trying to confirm the guidance that is, was already given. 
In other words, he says, God, I know what you told me to do, but would you confirm that what you told me to do is what you meant for me to do? So it can be a model for that. You see, he was putting God to the test rather than trusting him. And you know that's true when he says, don't be angry with me. In other words, I'm going to ask you something that you probably should be angry with me about. But let me make one more request in verse 39. So how does this model apply to us today? I'd simply say that knowing God's guidance is not so difficult. Our problem seems to be more in doing what he tells us to do. And God, we're blessed with God's word. And as you read God's word, it's pretty obvious how we should live, how we should act. Clearly, the way to seek God's will is through Scripture. And then allow that Scripture to become so much a part of it that it renews our mind. It changes our way of thinking. We no longer think like the world showed us and taught us to think. But through allowing God's Word to, to work in our lives, we, we're transformed. We have this new way of thinking and understanding His will. Paul said it beautifully in Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It is possible for us to know God's will. He's given us His word. So let's go to it for guidance. I think this is a model not for how, us, how we can show our lack of faith, I think this is more a model of God's compassion and love. You know, when we go to God and ask for evidences, that, you know, it's almost like it's more of our pride. But what you see here when you look and see God shining through this story is an example of his patience and kindness. Gideon's already been given the guidance he needs. I mean, God's already given him signs. Remember the angel coming and, and uh, burning up that, the food? I mean, it's pretty obvious that God is working here. He's had signs before. God has given him the guidance he needed. But here in this time of uncertainty, he shows him great compassion. He knows what's in front of Gideon is something that's going to take a lot of confidence and assurance. So instead of treating these verses as a pattern for guidance, why don't we look at them as an example of God's care for us? Because there are going to be times when we are uncertain about a task or what's in front of us or a journey where the journey is headed and just remember just as God cared for Gideon God cares for us too he's that father that understands psalmist said it beautifully in Psalm 103 verses 13 and 14 as a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows how we are formed he remembers that we are dust God looks at us and he understands he made us and since he made us, he knows us like nobody else does. And in our times of doubt and confusion, he has compassion for us. But in those times, allow God to shine through our doubt. Allow God to shine through. Oftentimes we need a reminder of God's power. Because it's God that works, not us. God would tell Zechariah in Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. 
God is the one to get the, the credit. And when we need a reminder of God's power of love and care for his children, we need to look to him. And remember that he's there for us always to catch us and to carry us through. We rely on his power, not our own power. In our family, we have a, a fun family story of my nephew, Leo Parker, when he was a kid. Leo was then and still is a very brave boy, or man now. But when he's a little boy, he, he was just a blast. He, had, he wasn't afraid of anything. He had this game with his, his dad where he would jump off of things and his dad would catch him. And when he'd jump off, he'd go, hee-haw, and just jump. There's a, I have a, brought a picture of him jumping off a refrigerator. Hee-haw, and his dad would just, just catch him. Did it all the time. We'd laugh and laugh and watch, and he'd jump, and his dad always caught him. The family story goes, one day he and his uncle were out, and they, they set Leo on a roof, and uh, they were talking, and all of a sudden while they're talking, they hear Leo go, hee-haw, and they knew what that meant. He was jumping off the roof. Fortunately, they were able to run and catch him before he hit the ground, so he's okay. He was a brave boy. Now, he is a man now. I brought you another picture of Leo. He still uh, loves to jump off of things. <laughs> yeah. But he's not a kid anymore. He, he's, a, he's a big man. I, I brought a picture of Leo and his dad, Ken, with uh, Leo's youngest little boy, uh, Bradley, just taking a while back. You know, Ken would have a hard time catching Leo these days. Leo says he uh, and jumps at his dad. His dad would be hard-pressed. But that doesn't mean his father can't impact Leo's life even today. It's just the way he helps Leo is different. Ken's lived his life in such a way to provide guidance, to show how to walk through good days and challenging days. And Leo's still not afraid to jump into his own business, to be an entrepreneur. And he jumps into that with a lot of confidence because he knows his father's guidance has been there and is there. It's different, but it doesn't mean that Ken's influence has gone away. Brothers and sisters, we have a, a father that's not like an earthly father, who we outgrow and one that can no longer catch us in those moments of doubt and uncertainty. Deuteronomy 32:27 says, "The everlasting God is your place of safety, and his arms will hold you up forever. God will be there for us. We never outgrow God. And in our moments of doubt, remember the fleece. And let it be an example of how we can turn to God and He cares for us and will catch us. Hebrews 10.23 says, We can trust God to do what He promised. Let's trust, on, trust God and rely on Him and His guidance. God is there for us through His Word, showing us the path we should follow. Let's trust in His promise, trust in His Word. So if fleece isn't the answer... Where do I go to find assurance? Because Gideon's not alone in needing assurance. He's not the only one with doubt. Think of any Bible character you can think of. And you know that they had times of doubt. It was true for Gideon, it was true for, for them, and it's true for me and you. 
Every one of us have moments of doubt. But those Bible characters, those good Bible characters, moved forward, as Gideon did, in spite of their doubt. And may that be true for us as well. Where am I going to go to find assurance? Because it is possible to live with assurance. And I'd also add, it's okay to live with assurance. Living with assurance doesn't mean you're prideful. It is not something that you should be ashamed of or say, I'm too humble to have assurance. It's okay. Assurance doesn't mean that we control God. Assurance doesn't mean that we know everything about God. The assurance I want is to know that God is with me and He will help me and that He will keep His promises. I want to live a life of assurance, not one of fear. Assurance knowing that, that God will always provide. And God does offer that assurance. So how do I live with it? Just a few thoughts. First of all, we can live with assurance from the past. We can look to the past. God is constantly reminding his children of how he worked in their past. He's always reminding them of, of Egypt and the, the Red Sea and, and the wanderings. And it is still the way he helps us. Those Bible stories, don't they help you and encourage you as you hear the story of how God worked? But it's not just those stories of then. God is still working in our lives today. And when you look over your shoulder, can't you see evidences of the signs of God working in your life? How he's been there for you? And when you look over your shoulder and see what he's done for you in the past, very high on that hill, isn't it the cross? And how he saved your soul, took care of your sins so that you could be with him forever in heaven? God has worked and he is working in our lives. Remember to see how God has worked in the past. And what did happen, the times that the fleece was wet, when you saw things obviously that took place and yet God worked through them, and in the things that didn't happen the time that fleece was dry and and that tragedy didn't strike and those bad things didn't happen God has worked and he is working and we can learn that from the past we can also be living lives of assurance here in the present Deuteronomy 8 beginning in verse 2 Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness, feeding you with manna to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord? Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during the forty years. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to Him and revering Him. God shines through the past into our present Remember what he did then, and then hold tightly to those promises today. Revere him. When God shines through, we find power to approach the enemy and the challenges that are in front of us. But when Gideon shines through, when it's me that shines through, doubt clouds the situation. But the God that worked then is still working now. That's true for me, and it's true for you. I mean, we can relate to the struggles. But God helped me through that situation. And yet, how many times do we say, God, I remember how you helped me through that struggle. But where are you today? Where are you in the midst of this struggle? God's signs and evidence of his working doesn't mean that we always have faith. 
doesn't mean that we don't sometimes doubt. Somebody told me this week that assurance is like eating. You get filled up from one meal, but you get hungry again. <laughs> well, I definitely can relate to that because I get hungry again pretty fast. And so we need to continually go to God's promises. Remember what He's done and how He's going to help us today because we're hungry again. So I'd ask you to reflect on the thought of what, what are you afraid of? What do you fear? Are you, do you fear that God won't work? In your mind, answer that question. Are you afraid God won't work? Then what are you afraid of? Because I think you probably said no. I'm afraid that we're afraid that God won't work like I want Him to work. That God won't work like I want Him to work. So look over the shoulder and find assurance in the past. And the God that worked then will be, is still working now. Not only can we live with assurance from the past and live with assurance in the present, but we can live with assurance for the future. The fleece strongly impacted Gideon's future. It was a reminder that God is with him. And believe me, he's going to need that reminder next week as we study the next part of the story. It's, he's, he's got some challenges in front of him. Do you? You know, the cumulative effect of all God is doing is so that Gideon will be able to take that next step. And the cumulative effect of all God has done and is doing in your life is so that you and I can take that next step. Because the most important step on our journey is often our next step. To trust the promise, to trust what God has done, and to have that kind of trust to walk into what he is doing. There was nothing for Gideon to do but to confront the enemy and trust God for the victory. But through the story of Gideon and through our study today, don't miss the patience of God. God is patient with Gideon, and he's patient with us. And so in those moments of doubt where you shine through instead of God's power shining through your life, in those moments, stay engaged with God. Stay involved with God. Gideon stayed in conversation with God. And then look and remember and be assured because God honors those who come to him in doubt. Turn to God. He wants to be with you. Turn to God. Don't turn away from God in doubt. Live a life of assurance. You ever wondered what a life of assurance looks like? Assurance that God walks with us and will keep His promises? Well, it involves making good choices. It involves not relying on self and our own resources, but on God. But ultimately... That assurance is found in Christ. Ultimately, the blessed assurance that we look for is in Him. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. That's assurance. 
Paul put it this way in Philippians 1, 20 and 21. I eagerly expect and hope that I will have sufficient courage so that Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. If you agree with these next words, say them out loud with me. For me to live is Christ and to die. Now that's assurance. There's a lot of times in life where we feel very unsettled and we need something to bring peace into our lives so that we can rest and relax. We need that comfort, that, that blanking. This past week, Evan Burkett told me of a story that the Lynns write about in a book that they wrote that happened in World War II. It was during the time of the bombings where they would bomb out the cities and left many orphaned children without a place to stay and without food to eat. It was such an unsettling t- time for those children, and they would set up refugee camps and bring in those orphaned children where they could give them the physical care that they needed, a place for them to sleep and food to eat so they wouldn't be hungry any longer. But among the children, they, they found that they were very restless and had a hard time sleeping at night until, because they had been hungry, and they thought, I know we're okay today, but what about tomorrow? Will I have a place to stay tomorrow? Will I have something to eat tomorrow? And some ingenious worker came up with the idea to, to give each child as they went to bed at night. I mean, they'd eaten, but as they go to bed tonight, give them a slice of bread and let them sleep with a slice of bread, knowing that I ate today and I will eat tomorrow. I ate today and I will eat tomorrow. Life throws an awful lot at us. It makes it pretty difficult to live at night at times. But we can have this blessed assurance. God has been with me today. And he will be with me tomorrow. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we should live with that kind of assurance. We have it because we've given our life to Christ. He has washed away our sins in the waters of baptism. His blood cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And we're walking in that light. He has been and he will be there with us. And friend, if you've never given your life to Christ, won't you know that kind of assurance? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, won't you confess his name, change the way you live, repent and walk towards him, and be baptized and clothe yourself with Christ in that blessed assurance. We have a couple of shepherds and their wives that are going to make their way to the parlor. If you'd like to go there for prayer, they would love to receive you. If you'd love to give your life to Christ, we'd love to join with you and celebrate with you. If you need to respond in any way, won't you come right now as together we stand and sing.